on today's episode of Power of the Towel, part of the Next Misconduct Network of Podcasts. The Vancouver Canucks depth is looking good. Relatively speaking, just pump your brakes on the Canucks having great depth because, yes, they've looked good over these last couple of games, but the jury's still out over if they can do that over an 82-game season. We get into all of that. Tyler Mott nominated for the Masterton Trophy. Jack Rathbone apparently getting an increased opportunity from the Vancouver Canucks coaching staff. And speaking of the Canucks coaching staff, we'll get into the Travis Green situation. And our guest this week is none other than Trevor Beggs from Nucks Misconduct. Should be a good one. You'll be saying wow every time you use this towel. He's not a person at all. He's a towel. You're a towel. But in Vancouver, mainly it's all about towel power. Are you ready? Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Power of the Towel, part of the Nexus Conduct Network of Podcasts. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. We say it every time. Make sure to rate and review the network on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a little review. Give us five stars. Helps us out a lot. Move up the rankings and make more quality audio programming for everyone out there. Now, since we last recorded on Friday, the Vancouver Canucks lost to the Edmonton Oilers. And congrats to Connor McDavid, I guess, for for 100 points in however many games. Good for him. Good for him. Hell of an achievement, even though he probably scored half those points against two teams. Still a hell of an achievement. But I just liked how uh, how the broadcast was hyping up 100 points in 50-some-odd games. It's Sure, a few players have done it, but it's just like a big round number. All these, all these broadcasts love to hype up. But anyways, yes, congrats to McDavid. He's the best player in the league. His peak, he's just entering it right now, you know. Six years after he was drafted into the National Hockey League, he's, it's scary to think that in, in the future there will be a better hockey player than Connor McDavid. And maybe it's another Connor. Connor Bedard tore up the uh, under 18 World Championships in Texas for Team Canada, North Vancouver native. But yeah, Connor McDavid, congrats to him. And that's the last we're going to talk about Connor McDavid torching the Vancouver Canucks. He's going to do that. For the foreseeable future, probably against this team. They get, still got one game left against Oilers this season due to the Vancouver Canucks. But I think over these last couple of games, the depth has looked good, relatively speaking. I think there's still questions going forward. Who's going to be the third line, fourth line center for this team? And not only do their best players have to be their best players against the top teams if this team wants to be a contender, they got to have depth that can you know, hold their own. They don't even probably have to be that good. It'd be great if they were, you know, quality depth players that can that can chip in. But for the Vancouver Canucks, the depth is it's looking good, rel- relatively speaking. Just pump the brakes right now on having, you know, 2011-style depth. Guys like Tyler Grievac have looked pretty good. You know, he scored that goal from the goal line. 
I, I said on Sportsnet 650, Jace Howerluck is the one bottom six guy that I have confidence in going forward that he can be, you know, a decent contributor, so to say. And I know it's that time of the year. It's depressing. We're talking about we're talking about depth going forward. One year I would like to talk about, I would really like to talk about this team gearing up for a playoff run. But alas, that is not to be this year. That's what made last year in the bubble so special. And I know people are going to have asterisks, asterisks. Fair enough, but to have meaningful games was just such a refreshing, refreshing change of pace. Because let's be honest, outside of those few games in January, there really wasn't any meaningful games this season. There really wasn't. And as a result, we're we're forced to talk about Tyler Grayovac. Is he going to be the answer to the fourth line? That's what makes you know a passionate market like Vancouver great is you can get into the minutiae. And sometimes we get lost in it, but the depth is, relatively speaking, the depth is looking good over these past few games. Now, whether they can do that over a full 82-game season, I'm I'm not so sure quite yet. But a guy like Jace Howerluck, I'd, I'd bring him back. I'd bring him back. Now, the new we're recording this right before the uh, the Winnipeg Jets game on uh, on Monday, but it was announced today, Tyler Mott. The nominee, the nominee, sorry, for the Masterton Trophy. Shout out to Tyler Mott. Great guy. A great ambassador for this Vancouver Canucks team. You know, he was very open with his struggles with mental health. He was very open with his support for women's hockey, which I think we could all agree on is great. And, and a deserving nominee, and I heard... Some people, like uh, I was listening to the Van cast with uh, Jeff Patterson and Thomas Trantz over here, and they were talking about how they should just nominate the entire team for the mastering, considering what they went through with COVID-19. That's not a bad idea, but unfortunately the word, the word doesn't work, work like that. Uh, Tyler Mott for the master, I think he's a worthy choice. You could have picked a lot of different players, I think, this year. I think uh, Ian McIntyre suggested Brandon Sutter. On, a, on one of the broadcast, just because, of course, the COVID and the injuries. But I think Tyler Mott's a good one just because of his, again, he's had to persevere a lot this season. He, and he was very open with his struggles with mental health. I think, you know, I don't obviously don't vote on the master, but I'm going to guess that's what helped him get the nomination. Very open and, and candid with his struggles surrounding mental health. And it was refreshing to see from a professional hockey player. We're used to pro hockey players having that veneer of toughness surrounding them. But Tyler Mott kind of cracked through that this year. And he's a very, very deserving, deserving nominee. One more round of applause for Tyler Mott. Shout out to Tyler Mott. He's a depth guy I want to keep around. Speaking of depth guys, keep Tyler Mott around. And probably Jace Howerlock, but definitely Tyler Mott. Charlie Hustle out there. Now, one thing the Vancouver Canucks coaching staff is still doing to their credit. They're playing the kids. They're playing the kids. It sounds like Jack Rathbone, as of recording, is going to get an increased opportunity going forward. He's looked pretty decent. His first stint with the Vancouver Canucks. I'm interested to see how he improves defensively going into next season, because I think that's going to be a big question mark. Can he improve defensively? But Jack Rathbone, increased opportunity going forward. Um, 
I think that also means, you know, increased opportunity power play too. I don't think the Vancouver Canucks go to a two defense system on the power play, which means he's probably getting power play two time. But if you go for the kind of, it, it's kind of being phased out of the league right now. If, if you look around it, the, uh, the two defensemen on the power play system kind of getting phased out. But if they do, maybe they put they probably put Jack Rathbone on power play one, but I could see him getting power play two time going forward. Why not? Why not? Another guy, Will Lockwood, getting called up. Again, why not? Why not? See what he has. Will Lockwood, one of those prospects, drafted in 2016 with Ole Levy. Sounds like he's going to, at some point, get an opportunity. He's a prospect, kind of like Ole Levy, who has had... You know, injury struggles hamper his development. But it's going to be interesting to see if he gets into the lineup. I presume he has to go through quarantine, so it's May 10th as we're recording this right now. Maybe he gets into one of those last two games against the uh, the Calgary Flames, the back-to-back next Tuesday and Wednesday. I don't know. But credit to Travis Green for, you know, playing the kids despite the situation he's in. And speaking of Travis Green, the situation he's in, it was uh, reported... Sorry, rumors came out. I guess it was kind of reported by Elliot Freeman uh, Saturday afternoon before Hockey Night in Canada that Rob Rindemore, he sort of agreed to, it's an unofficial deal with the Carolina Hurricanes, making $1.8 million a year. Now, how does that affect the coaching market going forward? Well, uh, Elliot Freeman explained on Hockey Night in Canada that, yes, it's a low number for a good coach like Rod Brindamore, but his situation is different. You know, he's been with the franchise in one capacity or another close to, like, 20 years. You know, he's been there for a while. He won a cup. He became an assistant coach with the, with the club pretty much right after his career was over, his playing career was over. So his situation, I think a lot of, he, he's kind of hinted that other coaches will look at that situation and say, my situation is different. I do not have the ties to the community like Rod Brindamore has. Now, Elliot Freeman kind of also hinted that Travis Green, he has a number. He has a number to determine what he's worth, and he doesn't want to come off it. Doesn't want to come off it. Now, there are a few coaching vacancies out there. Yet John Tortorella agreed to mutually part ways with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Same thing with Rick Tockett in Arizona. So there's two jobs open right there. I don't think Arizona is obviously a fit. They are getting rid of a guy like Rick Tockett because probably they want to cut back on coaching expenses. So there goes Rick Tockett. Columbus, yeah, maybe if they want to get a guy like Travis Green, he'd be good with the with the young players there that they have. Line A, Roslevic. I think Travis Green would be a great coach to kind of get back the confidence that Patrick Line showed his first little foray into the National Hockey League. But it, it also creates... An interesting scenario for Seattle because I, I've said it all the time. I thought their their big plan was Rod Brendamore, the Ron Francis connection. Obviously played together in Carolina. Worked together in Carolina. But you know what other coach out there has a connection to Ron Francis? Rick Tockett. Played together on those Penguins teams, those dynasty Penguin teams with Lemieux and Yager. So he may be a fit for Seattle. I've said it before on this podcast. I think Anaheim would be a great fit for Travis Green if he decides to test the open market. It's looking like it right now. 
And it's going to be interesting to see where this ends up down the stretch because he got seven, seven, six games to go. Six games by the time you listen to this. He still doesn't have a contract. He's going to test the open market, folks. Travis Green is going to test the open market as a head coach. Now, where he goes, if he wants to re-sign in Vancouver, if he has other job offers out there that intrigues him, we'll see. But I think it's safe to say at this point there are a few vacancies out there that Travis Green will be testing the open market. Anyways, as we mentioned off the top of the podcast, our guest this week is none other than the boss of Nuxmas misconduct, Trevor Beggs. Just a minute, don't hang up. Yellow. You'll have to speak up, I'm wearing a towel. Okay, so we now welcome on the Power of the Towel podcast, part of the Nuxmas misconduct network of podcasts. I don't think this man needs any introduction if you've been listening to the network for a while. He is the managing editor of Nux Misconduct. He also writes a bit for Daily Hive. He is technically, I think, my boss at Nux Misconduct. Trevor Beggs, but we call him Begsy. Begsy, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm not bad, man. And I thought for a title of this episode, maybe, uh, would anyone get mad if we called it Nick and the Boss? Like, that's, uh, that's yeah, not around. No, I think, all, I think right? it, it's all good. I, th- I think that's very, very fair. Like, you are the boss. You are the boss. You are the boss man of Nuxmas Conduct. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure what, you know, Big Bazaar makes in a couple of days, I'll probably get paid that for a month in Nuxmas Conduct notes. The least we can do is at least, you know, piggyback off the name, right? It's catchy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Why do you think I'm still in this basement? I'm making that podcasting <laughs> bill right now. Why do you think I'm podcasting outside right now, man? You think I have a home? Which that's is that's your palatial money? estate. You that's your palatial estate you bought from Nuxmas Conduct. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, your, that's, your, that's your estate in South Surrey. <laughs> yeah, my monthly stipend is paid for this nice uh, piece of property in the outdoors, you know? Living under a metal gazebo with no roof right now. So uh, thanks, I <laughs> appreciate it. Oh, man. Okay. So, uh, all right. Let's get, let's get right to it. So. In the middle of this game, it was, uh, I think, John Shorehouse broke the news, but if you're on social media, you found out pretty much right away the Vancouver Canucks have officially been eliminated from playoff contention. If you were living in any sort of reality, you knew this was going to be coming for a while, but it's still jarring to hear it when it does happen. The Canucks will not be making the playoffs after the bubble escapades uh, last season. I'm just going to ask you a simple question, Begsy. What will you remember most from the season? What will like five years down the road, you're thinking back to the 2021 abbreviated NHL season. What's, what's going to be like the one sentence you just you use to describe it. I think when I think about this season, I flash back to 2016, 17, when I thought, man, this is the low point for the franchise. It could not get any worse than this. So I'm going to look at 2020 and 2021 and think, Damn, that was probably the worst season I have ever witnessed as a Vancouver Canucks fan. Now, obviously, there's more hope in the air with, you know, who's a part of this team with, you know, the young core and Besser and Hoglander and Quentin Hughes and Elias Pettersson. But you want, think of that 2016-17 season. Like, the expectations were really low, and they were still really bad. But this year, the, the difference between what the expectations were and where they ended up is, is pretty stark. And uh, it's been a long time since I remembered a season like this. So, I, and obviously, there hasn't hasn't been a season like this. This team's been through so much, and it's it's been damn disappointing. But you know me, man. I'm probably the optimist of the Nux Misconduct Network. So, uh, the other thing positively I'm going to remember this season is Nils Hoglander, and just ga- a game after game as this season gets to its bitter end, he just gets better every night, man. He is honestly, in my eyes. I'm thinking about this guy as the team MVP right now. So I think of, you know, expectations being 
absolutely destroyed this season and Nils Hogland. Those are probably the two things that come to my mind. Uh, yeah, I, I described it uh, one, in one of the previous episodes of Power of the Towel as just kind of a dark cloud hanging over this franchise. You know, everything that's gone on. It, again, we can start on the ice. You know, this team did not live up to expectations. I think uh, I, I thought they could be, you know, a, a playoff team. I thought that this North Division was going to be so up in the air. I didn't think they could win the division. I think most people agree Toronto was probably the heavy favorites to win the North Division. As much as it pains me to say that Toronto's, you know, a Stanley Cup contender, they probably are. And let's face it, let's face it, until they face, you know, one of Vegas or Colorado in the third round, and they're going to get pumped. That's what I'm holding on to. They, they, they can win the they can win the Canadian division. That's fine. That's fine. When they face a real contender in Colorado or Las Vegas, they're going to get ship pumped. But anyways, enough of that tangent. Uh Look, I think on the ice, obviously, has been a big disappointment in terms of they did not live up to expectations. They were pretty much out of the race mid mid early March. Like that was real you know, after that disastrous February. It just became so hard for them to catch up and all the stuff off the ice. You have you know still, and we're gonna we can talk about we're gonna talk about this later. The Travis Green contract extension kind of hanging over the entire season. This guy has is going to play out the entire season without a new contract without any certainty that he's going to be back next season. You obviously had the COVID outbreak, COVID-19 outbreak, the worst, the worst COVID outbreak in North American professional sports this season. And you also have the Jake Rutan situation that, you know, is going to get resolved in, in my opinion, my personal opinion, uh, one way or another during this off season. So it's really, you know, just, and I agree, this is the worst season to be a Vancouver Canucks fan in recent history, because I know a lot of the old heads listening are going to say, you know, the Messier Keenan years. I was like four or five. I don't really remember that. My my, my Canucks fandom started that 2002 playoffs. That's when I marked my the start of my Canucks okay, fandom. Okay. So anything before that is kind of hazy to me. It's not really. I don't really have any personal experience to to build off of. But I think easily in my time following this team has easily been the the darkest season. And in terms of positive, yeah, I would say Hoaglander is definitely one of them. You know, he's come, you can definitely tell this season he had the benefit of, you know, playing a bunch of games in Europe before coming over, right? Like it's yeah. no doubt he had, he had his legs under him when he came over here right away. There was no real rookie walls we've seen with these past yeah. rookies. I think Jack Rathbone's going to be a positive. Look good tonight. We're recording, by the way, we're recording this right after the Winnipeg, uh, the Winnipeg Vancouver game, which uh, connects one. Uh, you look good on the power play. He, he he seems like, you know, he can be, you know, a solid defensive for this team for the next few seasons. And in terms of positives, I mean, that's really it. I guess Brock Besser looks good. Brock Besser looks like the shot is back. Um, Demko looks like he's going to be, you know, it could be a bona fide starting goalie, but the number one, he, he is a number one. He is a legitimate number one starting goalie. But other than that, you know, it's just individual kind of, bounce back seasons. It's, you know, and once again, like I, I'm just tired of talking about, you know, the good feel good stories, like the Hoaglanders and the Rathbones to end the season. And I like talking about them, but we should at one point be talking about this team gearing up for a playoff run. Right. Am I wrong? Oh, you're hundred percent. Right. And the city's been started for so long and Nick fans like you and I, and, and pretty much any fans that are under 30, like, I mean, my fandom started in 2000. So that's when this team was just starting to turn the corner with the West Coast era. And yeah, those late 90s sucked for sure. But I think you and I were spoiled, right? Like you start watching this team Absolutely. in the early 2000s and they just kick ass. The West Coast Express, one of the most exciting lines in hockey. They're making the playoffs every year. I mean, they still choke out most of the time, but they're making the playoffs. They're competitive. 
and then the Sedin era, obviously. So, you know, the first, you know, 12 years, 13 years of this decade were really fucking solid. It was a good time to be a Canucks fan, but these last seven years under, under Jim Benning have been just downright depressing. It's, it's been terrible. Um, and, and last year for the first time in a long time, there was some hope, but I don't think, I thought they'd make the playoffs. So I guess I was a little jaded, but you know, you could see the problem with this team last year. You knew that they lacked depth. You knew that the defense wasn't that good. Now I believed in Demko and I believed in the core, but uh, the, those problems that we saw in the playoffs last year, they came back to haunt the Canucks this season and in a terrible way, right? So this defense was worse. And then all of a sudden, the depth guys like got dead in for 10 and two of the most disappointing players in the league this season. And, you know, they didn't produce it all either. So the Canucks were just hit by all the problems that were there in the playoffs. And, and they all just kicked, I ended up being a reality this year. But uh, man, oh man, I, I just come back to Niels Hoaglander. And, and I want to throw one stat out there that I found crazy. Since the Canucks came back from their COVID break, they played 13 games. Nils Hoglander has 10 even strength points. The next closest Canuck has five. That's wow. how that's how good he's been for this team over the last stretch of games. And I remember writing about this for a couple of weeks ago for Nuxmas Conduct. I said, this guy, ideally on a good team, he's a third line forward. But right now, man, he looks like he's he's a top six forward for the foreseeable future. He's been he's been just absolutely unreal. So uh, again, he's he's the main guy I'm thinking about tonight, but I just keep going back, coming back to how good he is. But it's disappointing, man. I mean, the city deserves playoffs, and, and they've been fucked over. They really have been by this management team. Absolutely straight up. And I think, you know, it doesn't technically count as the 2021 season, but it really all count, goes back to the 2020 offseason, right? You know, it was a weird one. It was around Thanksgiving this time, and everyone left. They let, they let everyone essentially walk, Markstrom, Tanev, to Foley, obviously the big one. And yeah, they traded for Nate Schmidt. That was, that was a good trade. But at the end of the day, they let all these guys walk. And even a guy like Troy Stetcher, like I think Troy Stetcher maybe is a bit overvalued in this market. He's a good third pairing guy, but the Vancouver cannot be a good third pairing guy on a Stanley cup contender, right? Like a really good team. Troy Stetcher would be a very good third pairing guy. But what I keep coming back to is yes, that is true. But also the Vancouver Canucks are not a good Stanley cup contender. They would have, they would, they could have used a guy like that. And I, but I think the big one's Defoley, right? Like yeah. I, I tweeted, I remember saying this at the time when Defoley, I think it was right after Defoley got its first hat trick uh, against Vancouver in Vancouver. There's something just so you, you can, you know, the, the salary cap for maybe some fans, some people is almost abstract, you know, salary cap crunches and constraints are almost abstract, but there's just something so visceral and in your face about Tyler Toffoli skull fucking you essentially over three games that, that screams this team has a cap problem because if they didn't, they could have re-signed this guy. He said he wanted to, he wanted to re-sign Vancouver. He wanted to stay and you gave up, you know, a second round pick Tyler Madden, two pretty good assets to get him here. And you weren't able to re-sign him because you had all this money tied up in guys like Louis Erickson and, and, and Sven Berchi and Brandon Sutter and, and Jay Beagle, right? I th- so I think it's, it kind of started there, this whole this dark cloud over this franchise was the 2020 offseason. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't really like how everyone goes back to, oh, they lost all these guys because losing Markstrom hurt a little bit, but Demko's the number one. Like, that was fine. Losing Tana. It worked out well in that respect. It worked out well that they were able to give Demko more ice time, especially after the bubble. Yeah. 100%. He was ready, and I'm glad the organization took that chance. I honestly didn't think they would going into the 2020 offseason. Well, that's why they signed a guy like Holtby, right? 
because yeah. they're probably again, thinking they're probably thinking you know this guy hasn't been able to prove that he can handle the workload we need to get you know another guy to split the starts now it's pretty clear that Demko can be the guy for a team now you're kind of stuck holding the bag with Holpe another yeah. great salary cap move by Jim Betting but a bit more defensible considering the uh circumstances a bit more defensible but again you know losing markstrom tanev stature like that's whatever i don't think that hurt this team what hurt this team was losing to foley you lose to foley who had 30 goals this season and you keep jake for tannin who was absolutely dog shit throughout the year and i was fine with the holby contract i think most of us were but when you saw that holby was making more than tyler to foley in terms of his aav you go oh man between the two like Holby's probably going to be the backup and he was entire to Foley, Tyler to Foley, a bona fide top six player who fit in so well with this team. And it's, that was an insurmountable loss, but Hey, I, I kind of love it that he was lined up the Canucks, to be honest. <laughs> I just yeah. think it's awesome when, you know, management trades away a player and it comes back to bite you in the ass. And another example this year was uh Vinny Trocek down in Carolina. He was, he's been lights out against the Panthers. He's really he's good. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. He's doing the same thing to Florida that Foley's doing us. So you know what? These teams deserve it when they give up on good players. And again, you know, I know there's some ben, some uh, Jim Benning truth is out there. I hope they don't listen to this podcast. Well, I get that's okay. No, we we accept everyone. We welcome we welcome Benning it. Bros, Bitter Bros. We welcome everyone on the next misconduct out. Okay, I, yeah, I uh, harbor no resentments against anyone. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm part of the network, so I guess I got I go welcome with open arms. But just be aware, I will trash you and make fun of you <laughs> on the podcast and in my writing. Yes, at Trevor Be- Trevor Beggs hold. No bar, no, no prisoners. Uh, but I think, again, it goes to show that I think there's something just so visceral and in your face about a guy like DeFoley scoring three goals on you, right? Like you can lose a guy and in a, in a regular season, right? You know, DeFoley plays two games against the Canucks, one home, one away, and that's it. And they probably happen, you know, months apart. So yeah. it's not really a story like, you know, reporters and, you know, people like us can build upon and constantly discuss but then, you know, he scored, you know, you have these two games, three game sets against the team and he keeps on scoring. And again, it's just very in your face when a guy like to fully skull fucks you like that. Yeah, 100 percent. But let, let's be real for a second, too. So you think about to contribution versus for Tannen. So there's probably about a what a, a, a plus 25 goal difference right there. So the Canucks are minus 31 in terms of goal differential. So even with to they're still back to being in the middle of the pack team. I mean, maybe not as embarrassing as it was this season. Yeah. Maybe but they're in the, the playoff day, the Canucks, race. Even with you know, Foley, the Canucks aren't good enough. Maybe they're in the playoff race a bit longer. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe we so, have, uh, you know, five games that we're playing out of postseason instead of seven. <laughs> yeah. And, and and speaking of schedule, let's, let's talk about that right now because it's going to be, I think people are underestimating how weird it's going to be the rest of the way for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, at the time of recording this, we've got one more game. The Canucks have, one more game against the Jets, one more game against the Oilers, and then four more games against the Calgary Flames. So it's not exactly in that order, but you know, six games left. I think people are underestimating how weird it's going to be to have these games against the Flames going on while you know south of the border, the playoffs are going on. Right, the playoffs are starting Saturday. You know, Boston yeah. and and Washington are, are starting Saturday, and it's going to be weird to watch these games. And look, I've said it on this podcast before. Those last kind of two, three games against the Calgary Flames, both teams are for sure have already been eliminated from the playoffs. They mean nothing in terms of standing, except if you care about the draft. Those games are going to make the you know an exhibition game look like Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Finals. Like yeah. there, people are going to give out like twenty percent effort. I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like 
Archer Silovs starts one of those games. Right? Like, fuck it. Why not put him in there? Yeah. I wish green would do that. I, I don't see him going that far. Cause I think he's still coaching for a job, which, which I know you want to bring up later, but it's going to be bizarre, man. And to be honest, it's, it's a little sad, a little depressing as a Canucks fan to know that your team's playing some fucking meaningless exhibition game while there's playoff hockey going on. Like for me, I, honestly, one of the big motivations to start silky and filthy and, and do it the way we did Kyle and I was that there's just so much more to pay attention to in the NHL than just the Canucks, especially at the time when we started and, 2018 when the Canucks were just dog shit, right? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, again, I always love looking around the N- uh, the NHL and uh, I love kind of digging stories out of that and, and having some fun with it. But uh, yeah, it's going to be for me, I'm probably having my eye on playoff hockey more than I am the Vancouver Canucks. Like I got to cover con- the Canucks for Nux misconduct because that's part of my job. And, and, you know, even in Nux misconduct, we're shorthanded right now, man, in terms of we're just like the Canucks, you know, a couple of writers are gone off doing this. Is, is, is that shots now. fired at me? No, it's not shots fired at okay, you. Okay, like, okay, so, all right. Some of our biggest OGs are just, you know, just gone for personal reasons, right? So we're already uh, shorthanded right now. I'm writing recaps and stuff, which I usually don't do, but uh, it's 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 a crazy time. So I'm going to have to somehow pay attention to these Canuck games when really I'd rather just be watching playoff. I hockey, thought you were man. throwing shade at me for a second. No, man, you were, I got to say, man, you were I, I, I guess I was ready to throw down. On the network, one of the hardest working guys on the network, Bondi. Bondi. Let's have a little Bondi appreciation. Oh, okay. All we right. So, Popping my so tires. I like it. We, we are so damn lucky to have you on this network, man. You've been a rock star. I listen to a lot of uh, Canucks content, Canucks podcast, and I think you're one of the all-stars in this, in this city, man, truly. And, uh, you know, I've been, slack, I've been slacking right now. You know, Quickie hasn't come out in a while. Uh, you, know you know what? You have an excuse. You have a wife and kid. Like oh, no, one's gonna, no, one, no one's going to blame you for that. Yeah, you got, your your priorities are. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I have an excuse, man. But uh, you know, the network suffered a little bit. I mean, the views are still there and I'm so thankful for our listeners. I think with your shows, with our shows, we're still, uh, we're still getting the same listeners as ever, even though maybe there's less content coming from, from myself, but uh, well, you know, it, it would, it would help. I, I wish at one point the Vancouver Canucks would do their part and put out a competitive team. Cause that would definitely help out <laughs> a lot there. But I, I agree with you that look, I have obviously this podcast. I do guest spots on other podcasts, go on the radio a few times. Yep. Not a big deal. Um, so, <laughs> so like, I feel like I have to watch these games. Like I don't want to yeah. look like an imposter when I'm when I'm talking about it on other people's show. Good, not nice, you know. Fine with uh, with me, you know, talking out of my ass on my own show. But when uh, when it's time to go on other people's shows, I feel like I have to bring it in some way. So I'm yeah. going to be watching the games because I feel that some sort of moral ob- obligation on my part to watch these games. But let me t- let, let's put it this way: if I didn't have this podcast, if I wasn't you know doing anything like this. I would not be watching the rest of the games. I don't remember anything from like the end of like the 2016, 2017 season because I wasn't doing it. I was, I just, I just checked out at the time. Like, okay, well, hopefully they lose. Like that was kind of, kind of my thing. So I don't blame, I do not blame anyone, anyone who wants to check out for these last, you know, five, six games. Do not yeah, blame just, it at all. Yeah, just tune into Power of the Detail and go to nuxbisconnect.com. We got you yeah. covered. It's all good. Just you don't need to watch to pot- the game. Don't put yourself just, through that. <laughs> just subscribe to the network. We'll cover it. We'll cover it all there. But honestly, I, I can see wouldn't it be so Vancouver Canucks if they win all four of those games against the Flames <laughs> to end the season? Okay. It would, yeah, yeah. And then the Flames end up drafting the dude who ends up being yeah. way better. It'll be a, like a Chuck Ewell Levy thing all over again. God, fuck. Let's hope, let's hope that doesn't happen, man. Because you know, you know it's Flames gonna, you know had their win in 2016. And uh, yeah, I don't want to go through that again. I, the Canucks are definitely going to win one of those four games against at least one of them, possibly even two. 
I think that's very much on the table. Again, it's going to be 20% effort out there. Like no one's going to give a shit. Yeah. I mean, I'm still kind of watching the Canucks Ottawa race. I know that the Canucks are four points behind Ottawa with like five games in hand. So they'll probably catch them, but you know, if they, if they only win, maybe like, yeah, I guess the, I guess if they win two games, basically they win on the tiebreaker against Ottawa. So it's, uh, it's probably not happening, but yeah, it's just, uh, Bonnie, I got, all I got to say is welcome to my life. I mean, I've been sitting with daily high with hockey writers with Nux misconduct. Like I've been writing about this team since 2013. So I've felt that obligation for a long time. I was watching a lot of that hockey at the end of 2016, 17. That's why. I have so many uh, yeah. de- depressing episodes thinking of that time, man. So yeah, welcome to the club. It means you're uh, you're too diehard in the city, man. You're, but you're providing valuable content. So you know, just uh, keep doing your part, man. I like I like to think so, man. I like to think so. So I want to talk about Travis Green now. Okay, so I think the it, it kind of took an interesting development. I think on Saturday because nothing to do with Travis Green, but to do with Rod Brindamore. Like he was going to be, yeah. I like Travis Green as a head coach, but Rod Brindamore was going to be the big coaching free agent, so to say in, in the NHL. And it sounds like he has a, a, a kind of a handshake deal with the Carolina hurricanes for $1.8 million uh, a year. And it looks like he's going to be off. I thought like for all the talk of Travis green to Seattle, I thought Rod Brendamore was Seattle's number one choice, obviously because of the Ron Francis connection, right? Like if yeah. he was, I think if he ended up going to, you know, the open market and there's still a chance, but it sounds like he's going to be staying in Carolina. Seattle would have been all over him, like all, all over him. And what 1.8 million a year for, for a coach like Rod Brindamore sounds like an absolute steal. Right. And I think Elliot Freeman brought up a hug in Canada. that He brought up a good point that, you know, you may think that this depresses the, the value across coaches across the NHL because Rod Brindamore was a very good coach and he's getting paid less than 2 million a year that may depress values. But I think a lot of people, and he pointed this out, are going to argue that his situation is different considering he's been in Carolina as a player, then as a coach for, you know, close to 20 years now, right. like the situation is totally different. than a guy like Travis green, who, yes, he coached, you know, their American hockey league affiliate uh, for Vancouver in Utica. But at the same time, like he doesn't have that same connection to, to the city and the organization. So look, he, he Travis green is testing the open market at this point. I think it's pretty clear that he's going to be testing the open market. Uh, I listened to 31 thoughts again. Elliot Freeman kind of hinted that Travis Green has his number and he knows what he's worth. And if the team doesn't match that, then he's going to test the open market and see where you can get elsewhere. Um, do you, where would you handicap the Canucks re-signing uh, Travis Green to a contract? And if he does you know, test the open market, he does leave the Canucks, where is he going? Because there are a few interesting openings out there, I think. Yeah, there are. Um, what would a handicap for that? I just get a percentage. I would. I would probably say pretty close to fifty-fifty. To be honest, I, I know there's a lot of smoke out there. Um, obviously, with him being unsigned, and uh, yeah, I mean, he has every right to test the open market, and I, I think he should do that at this stage. I just kind of feel like there are some interesting openings. My hunch is that he's going to come back, and obviously, I, I don't have the inside scoop here or anything. Uh, I just that was your moment that. to say though. That was a moment to say I have an ins- I have an inside scoop there. You could have just could have you know well, said I it mean, and everyone would have believed if you. If he's coming back, remember you heard it first yeah. here at uh, Nuts from Begsy first. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I think it's been a big talking point because you know the Canucks haven't been good and you know most coaches have a contract, but there are a few coaches right now just on Cat Friendly's page for coach salaries that don't have contracts going into next season. I I do think it's. A bit of a weird time. I do think that 
the, that Travis Green, the Canucks can find a solution. Like I hear this stuff about on the radio and everything that Aquilini wants to have the lowest paid coach in the league or something like that. And yeah. Following follow the highly successful, uh, following the highly successful Buffalo Sabres model. He yeah, just wants exactly. to cheap out on all the executives. I know Aquilini can be a bit of a fanboy and he's the way he runs this team. Obviously there's a lot of issues, but I find it hard to believe that even he's that stupid to, to actually think that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Travis green, he's probably gonna make over 2 million. I think, like you said, Brendan Moore is taking a bit of a discount to stay in Carolina and most coaches salaries are un- unknown. Like even on cat friendly's page right now, there's uh, less than 10 coaches that have their, uh, dollar figure up there, but all these coaches, aside from Travis green, we're getting paid more than 2 million bucks. I mean, Tom McClellan with the Los Angeles Kings is making 5 million bucks a season. Damn. Holy shit, man. That's an Alan Vigneault, 5, 5 million a season. And those guys have four-year contracts, like three more years after this season. So, you know, coaches can get money out there. Travis Green's probably worth, yeah, probably two and a half, three million dollars. That's my guess, at least. Um, I, I do think the Canucks will find a way to sign him. And I, I feel like it'll be Green makes it back. But uh, yeah, Ian Clark's gone. Um, and again, I just think Green knows he has the star power here. I do think him and Benning get along. I think they like the same players, which isn't <laughs> necessarily a good thing. <laughs> I don't think that's a ringing endorsement. No, but uh, we know that Green was involved in the Tyler Myers talks. He was involved in the Jade Beagle talks, and and nothing like those aren't those those are not good signs. <laughs> no. But it it does kind of show that management and the coach are on the same page here. And I think Thomas Drench did a good job of pointing out that the fact that Matthew Highmore is getting this crazy long leash is probably another sign that they're communicating on the same page as well. So again, I think he's coming back, and obviously, if it doesn't come back, I think Anaheim is the obvious candidate. Uh, lots of young guys. Travis Green has connections down in Anaheim. Uh, looks like, uh, David Dallas Eakins has one more year left on his contract after this one, but, uh, I imagine he could fork up that money and, and yeah, Arizona is obviously close by too, but I just think both of those teams have such a long ways to go in the rebuild uh, and the Canucks are in a better spot than both those teams and, you know, green's on the work to build it. So I, I, I do think he comes back to be honest. All right. 50, 50 shot, uh, according to Begsy, I think Anaheim, if, if he doesn't come back to Vancouver, Anaheim's a leading candidate, like you said. Uh, he's got, I think his family lives in kind of the Southern California area in the off seat, yeah. uh, during the entire year. He lives by himself here in Vancouver, obviously a young core that, you know, Travis green has experience working with young cores here in Vancouver. Uh, I think for C, I don't think Seattle's the front runner anymore for Travis green. I think we go after Rick Hoggett just again, just because of the Ron Francis connection with, yeah. uh, what's his face. I forget Rick his Tocca? name. Rick Hoggett. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's a story moment right there, man. I love it. Yeah. That's what now the Nuts calling that one's all about. I haven't even I haven't even smoked yet, man. That comes after <laughs> this. But look, I think yeah, Ron Francis, Rick Talkett, obviously the connection with those uh Lemieux, Yager, uh Pittsburgh yeah. teams makes them the front runner. I don't think he goes to Arizona. Like if you're letting go a guy like Rick Talkett, it means you want to cheap out on your coach the next time you, you get Probably, one, right? Yeah. So so I don't think Anaheim's not what about I, I'm thinking of Columbus for Green. Like who better, who better if you want to get a coach? to resurrect the career of Patrick Line, Why not get a guy like Travis Green there who's had experience working with young guys before yeah. and who's had, you know, Brock Besser, Quinn Hughes, Leas Patterson. They got the Columbus has got to do something with Patrick Line. They gave up Pierre-Luc Dubois for the guy, for God's sakes. And obviously, yeah. like, everyone in their dog predicted that Torts and Patrick Line would not work out. And lo and behold, yeah. it did not work out. Like, Line has been, it has a pretty big down year it's here in Columbus. So, Maybe Travis Green goes to Columbus if they uh, if they pony up enough. I don't know. Yeah, I, I when I think about that, I think it makes a lot of sense for Columbus. 
I have a hard time seeing, unless Green is really just about the money, I have a hard time seeing why Green would leave Vancouver to go to Columbus. I just think, again, Vancouver has better core pieces in place. And it's, again, he's spent time building this team. There's a connection there. He's probably a proud guy who wants to see it through. Yes, say here, he seems to get along with Benning. Again, I, I don't see why he'd go to Columbus. I, I do see, again, Anaheim. I know, you know, again, he's got an autistic son. He's been very vocal about that. If you have the opportunity to, to to live with your family throughout the year, which he's not doing right now, I think that is uh, a huge situation, and it's why I thought of Arizona too because it's close by. So I, I end up I think it's Vancouver, or he stays really close to where he lives down in in Southern California. There, um, I'm going to go on a tangent, not a bit of a tangent, but I want to ask. Go you off here. Go off. Uh, you brought up Patrick Line, and one of the mm-hmm. offseason bits I want to work on for Nux misconduct is offseason targets because. Again, just looking at where this team is right now, it's not like you got to tear the thing down. Like they're they're close to putting something good together, but they definitely need a few more pieces. Now, this offseason is going to be tough. There's not a lot of cap space, and by my estimation, you probably have about you know eight million bucks, and you got to fill four or five holes in your lineup. But one thing you could do is spend most of that money on the top six winger. Now, could you see Patrick Liney as a fit here in Vancouver? And if that were to happen what do you think the Canucks would have to give up? Because what I'm reading out of Columbus is that, you know, Kekalainen likes to low balls are a phase and he's a really tough negotiator. And maybe Lana doesn't want to be there, man. Maybe he forces his way out. You know, these young guys these days have a lot of say in terms mm-hmm. of where they go more so than ever. So Patrick Lana is one name that I'm going to throw out there perhaps in, in the offseason column about targets for the Canucks because I think it'd be an intriguing fit. I think the problem is, again, what you give up, but I just want to get your thoughts on it. <sighs> Isn't um, Art Jones and Wierenski both RFAs? As well? am, I, am I correct in that? Next, or one of them's next are- season. Uh, actually, Wierenski might be this season. Jones is for sure next season, but I'll double okay. check out here for see, you. See, like Columbus may be going to a, like a full-on rebuild. If, they, like, they'll, if both Jones and Wierenski come up to you and you say, and say like, we don't want to resign here. Then yeah, it's time to tear it down and rebuild again for Columbus. Right. Which kind of sucks for their fans and, and their franchise. But yeah, like if that happens, I could see him trading line eight and what is it going to take for the Vancouver Canucks? At least like a first round pick, probably a guy like a, a top prospect as well. Like you get me, you know, if you're Vancouver and Columbus says, we'll give you Patrick line, but we want a first round pick unprotected and, you know, Vasily pod Colson, would you do it? Um, I, I I don't know. I'd probably I'd probably I definitely think about it. I would, because I, I would think, think about it for sure. I would think about it for sure because you put Patrick Line on a wing with Elias Pettersson. I think that, that's that's pretty mouthwatering in terms of you know a, a top six punch. Yeah. But then you know you 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 spend all your money on you know a guy like Patrick Line and then you're stuck in the situation you are uh, right now where you don't yeah. really have much depth. Well, next year's going to be a little rough regardless. So I think again, uh, as much as. Uh, Benning got ripped for it. He's right. It's because of his fuck-ups. The Canucks are probably two years out. So if you add a piece like Line, though, who theoretically would fit for the long term and you clear out some of that cap next season, then you can start building a bit more on the defense in the bottom six. Uh, again, the problem with Line is he's, again, a, def- a player who's not great defensively. I think he could fit in well with the Canucks because the Canucks aren't really a John Tortorella de- defense first team. I think Line would, Green would unleash Line a bit if Green's still here. <laughs> which is yeah. another question itself, but I think it'd be an intriguing fit. And a player like Pod Colson, who again would probably be mentioned in the trades, probably a first and you know, Pod Coles. And I don't think they do a first in Rathbone because I just think Rathbone's oh, no, got no. 
too high of a ceiling. Uh, but Paul Colson, again, way better two, 200 foot player, but he doesn't seem to have anywhere near the offensive ceiling that line a does. So uh, it's, it's a bit of a balancing act for sure. It's something the Canucks would have to consider if, if that were the option there. Patrick line is I'm looking up his stats on hockey DB right now. He's like, he's a 40 goal scorer. Like the goal of hockey is still to outscore your opponents. So like a guy <laughs> yeah. who scores, a guy who scores 44 goals in a season is pretty darn valuable, right? Like those yeah. guys do not, those guys do not grow on trees. Like I exactly. think Brock, I think a guy like Brock Besser can be, you know, a guy who eventually gets a 40 goal season, but he hasn't shown it yet. Patrick Lyon his second season again on, on a pretty good Jets team back then. And he was 19 years old when he did that. 19 you know? years old scored, <laughs> yeah, 19 years old scored 44 goals. So yeah, I'd be, if you, if, if the Canucks could do a first round pick and put goals in, for line eight, I, I definitely consider it. It's just, again, it depends also on, and we could talk about this briefly right now, what Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes's contracts are going to look like when they come out of uh, uh, restricted free agency, mind you. I've said it. I've been on the record saying it. I don't think it's going to be anything le- else than three-year deals for both of them at around the same AAV. It just makes too much sense for either side to not do three-year deals. Let's, okay, let's let's look at the player's perspective first of all, okay? The salary cap is going to be flat for the next, I think they said three years after this, right? This year and three years after that. And then it's going to start going up again, right? If you're Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes, why not take a three-year deal, bet on yourself, and then try and go for a raise again in three years when the cap goes up once again in three years, right? If you're, you know, Jim Benning and the Vancouver Canucks, three years, you know, three-year bridge deal, it saves you money. Let's and let's head, let's be honest. A lot of the decisions the Canucks have made over the past few months, going back to last October, are based on the fact that they can't have any butts and seats. They can't sell season tickets, right? So, I think a three-year deal works best for both sides. What What do you say to that? Are Are you in yeah, agreement? Three-year deals. Agree. I think it's going to be a trend around the league. To be honest, you're going to have a lot of cap strap teams. You're going to have a lot of RFA's who are. And the same situation that Pedersen and Hughes are right now. And they're going to have to take bridge deals. There's just no choice right now. And I, I can't even think of who the top RFAs are right now off the top of my head. But, you know, I think a guy like Matt Barzell. Well, the comparison, yeah, the, the comparison for Pedersen is Barzell. He signed a three-year yeah, bridge exactly. deal as well. Yeah, I have very similar players. Um, I just don't think Pedersen's contract is going to waver much from the Barzell one. And, and maybe I'm out to lunch, who knows? But. I have a hard time seeing Pedersen getting a long-term deal. It's just, it doesn't make sense for either of these guys to sign long-term right now, not with the flat cap. So of course it's going to be three deals, just betting on themselves. And like when I do my projections for NuxMissConnect.com, when I'm doing cap projections, I just pencil them both in at 7 million and that might fluctuate a bit, but between the two, I'm probably getting paid about $14 million uh, for the next couple of seasons here, which is, which is great, which is a great position for the Canucks. I think Jim Benning has been better with signing RFAs. It's the UFAs where he gets into trouble. Yeah. But I think he's able to use his leverage with RFAs to at least sign reasonable contracts. And I don't see why the contracts with Hughes and Pedersen would be any different. Hey, look, Elias Pedersen ditches his agent. That's always, I've always wondered how that works. That's got to be a really awkward conversation. Yeah. This would be like, yeah, uh, I'm done, buddy. Like, uh, I'm going to this other guy who's obviously a lot more high profile and clearly better than you. See you later. Yeah. Well, Beat it. I mean, uh, <laughs> in, in my day job, I work in the financial services industry. and. I had one client who he wanted to come with us. He's just like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to break up with yeah. my advisor. Just typical Canadian guy. Just, just too nice. He's to too do nice. It. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, I mean, these Swedish guys, I could see Pedersen being like, I'm not a fan of your things. 
he probably just sends like a text or something like that. Just like I'm, I'm done. Yeah, that, that's so, how kids yeah. break up with each other nowadays. They just send each other straight texts. Up. Straight yeah. up, that's how these agents, fucking... girlfriends. It's all good. Yeah, but like, look, Elias Pettersson, like, you don't ditch your agent and go with the same one as Quinn Hughes if you don't want to negotiate as a block, right? Like, that's that's the whole point. Yeah, like, and that's part of the negotiate reason why, together. Yeah, exactly. And that's part of the reason why I both had them pencil at the same contract. I know most of the projections I see have Hughes getting paid less than Pettersson. Maybe, maybe that's the case, but yeah, the fact they have the same agent, I think there's a good chance they signed the same contracts. Maybe it's like a little bit of uh, Zach Parise and Ryan Suter, you know, the forward and the defenseman signing identical contracts. Although again, different parts of the career, but you know, same, same, but different, right, Bonnie? Well, 12 year deals, right? Or they signed Parise 13 year deals, 13, oh, was yeah, it 13 yeah. year, 96 million each? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Jeez. Imagine <laughs> Pedersen and Hughes signed 12 year deals right now. Like, that'd be oh, wild. man. Yeah, the league just makes an exemption for Pedersen and Hughes. Like, Vancouver, you've been through enough. So, Pedersen and yeah. Hughes, you can keep them for as long as you want. You know, the NHL owes us that much. I mean, they, they stuck us with the Longo. So, just give us at least an extra three years to sign Pedersen and Hughes long term. Well, that's why I was always curious why Connor McDavid, and fair enough, it's hard to turn down like $130 million or something like that. It's like pretty good financial security. But if you're Connor McDavid, like, I would have taken like shorter, like done like an Austin Matthews, like take like four or five year deals and then see where the team is and see if you want to stay. Cause if you're locked up for 13 years, like McDavid, what's the incentive for the Oilers to, you know, go for it at any point or, you know, build or like kind of go all in at any points that you, you know, you got you around for 13 years. You're not going anywhere. Well, I mean, he only signed an eight year deal though, right? It was like eight years, a hundred million or something like that. Oh man. I'm I, 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 I thinking, maybe I'm thinking of Ovechkin. Yeah, I think you're thinking of Ovechkin. I was like, yeah. oh, I, I don't think those contracts have been around for about five, six years now, right? right. Since, they, since they put the limits in. But I mean, the point still stands. He's there in Edmonton. Yes, for point still stands. It feels like 13 years. Eight years feels like 13 in Edmonton. And that's being a little bit modest. Let's be real. He bought a uh, sick house with that money, though. Oh, I mean, have you seen? Uh, do, do you ever see this on uh, Twitter? And I, I'm sure that I'm the most active guy on Twitter, but I remember when like photos of Connor McDavid's house yeah. was floating around. He's got like a Bond villain like, house. Yeah, it was like American Psycho kind of vibes. <laughs> yeah, just all white, all marbles. Like, oh, on the ice, yeah. off the ice. Zero personality. You know what? And you know what? People are ripping Connor McDavid for having zero personality. Guess what? Like, that's what you kind of have to do to be the best of the best, like the top alpha, alpha athletes, sorry, right? Like, you got to, like, yeah. you've got to dedicate your entire life to that athletic pursuit. You don't have time to develop a personality, man. Oh man, think of how much time you and I have spent screwing around. But in those years, yeah. we were building personalities, man. We were building personalities. <laughs> we might be, we might be, you know, middle class working dudes, but uh, we got personality at least, you know. Yeah, I don't have you know, the fame. Year, yeah, I don't have the fame and the money, the influence of Connor <laughs> McDavid, but I've got a personality. That's so I can tell the ladies I have a personality. Um, so, uh, so the other big news uh, from last week was. Uh, the AHL team, the AHL affiliate for the Vancouver Canucks, moving Vancouver. to Abbotsford to uh, to almost, I guess, your your backyard. It's how far is Abbotsford away from South Sur? Like 40, 45 uh, minutes? Yeah, about 40 minutes, 40, 45 yeah. minutes, I'd say. Yeah. So, so pretty close. So, yeah. yeah so, the, uh, bad, the, you going to catch any games? Oh, 100%, man. So, the company, or, or yeah, the company I work for, uh, the team I work for, I should say, we have an office in Surrey and an office in Abbotsford. So, I'm already on the list to get uh, group tickets. Nice. Man. I mean, hopefully Fuck we have yes. some group tickets. And, Let's go. Uh, you know, some for the clients, some for us, obviously. So uh, I'm nice. looking forward to going to games there. And honestly, even for Nux Misconduct, I would love to get a writer credential to go there. 
Um, uh, again, in my family days, uh, am I getting paid enough to go sit at every Abbotsford, whatever they are name game? Uh, probably not, but, uh, I think it's a great opportunity for someone who has the time and who wants to put it in because, uh, you know, have HL in the backyard is something that we haven't been accustomed to in our lifetime. You and I, right. I mean, it's yeah. been in Manitoba, Chicago, Utica, but to have it in Abbotsford, is going to be fucking fantastic, man. Like I, I honestly can't wait. I think it's going to be great. It's going to, well, it's going to be very interesting, right? Because I think a lot of people for a long time have been clamoring for the HL failure for Vancouver next to be, to be close to home, right? They want to be able to see these top prospects or just the guys on the HL team on a regular basis. And that comes with the territory of being in a very hyper, you know, hyper, com- almost, com- almost competitive, but also hyper, you know, just a lot of tension on the Vancouver Canucks. People want to see these guys on the, on the HL team. And look, I'm, I'm going to talk from a bit of experience here. I, I know a few of the guys who run the Fraser Valley bandits, which is like the basketball team. They run out of the Abbotsford center. And like, if you're an HL team, you obviously want to attract attention to like, young families or people, people who don't want to spend all the money for, you know, four tickets to go see a Vancouver right. Canucks game. Right. Like you want to attract young families and like that, that Fraser Valley, like Surrey Langley, Abbotsford, you're a perfect example. That's where the young families are going. Right. That's where 100%. they're planning, they're planning their roots is kind of the Fraser Valley. So you want to be there first of all. And secondly, the Abbotsford center is like, it's pretty legit. Like it's a legit, like rank for an AHL professional team. Yeah. I like the Langley event center. I like the people there. I've been there plenty of times, but it's not really suited. I don't think for like a pro team, right? Like it's fine for the giants. They got like a few rows of, of seating. They got like a few kind of makeshift left luxury boxes and, and what have you, but it's not really suited for a, for a professional AHL team. And yeah, the AHL is not the NHL, but it's still professional hockey. These guys are getting paid pretty much full time to play in the AHL. So the abstract center is obviously, I think it's, it's a very nice rig. I've been there a few times yeah, for basketball right. games. Like it's pretty nice. Right. And it's a legit, AHL rank. And I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a home run in terms of, uh, in terms of just being able to go to games and watch the Canucks as well. I think it's going to be, I think it's, it's going to be a home run. Now in terms of the team name, I think I'll link it something to like the Abbotsford air show. That's what I think of Abbotsford, Abbotsford air yeah. show. So I don't like the Abbotsford arrows or like Abbotsford, the Abbotsford pilots or something like that. I don't know. Something to do with the air show would be my name. What are your thoughts on the whole like Abbotsford HL team uh, affiliate. I think it's, I think it's going to be a home run. Oh yeah. It's, it's going to be a smashing success as, as the Brits would say, but it really should happen years ago. And I know there's some politics with Aquilini and uh, you know, the Abbotsford entertainment center, whatever that group was. Uh, but really this should have happened seven years ago. It's, it's a shame that it took this long and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be awesome. Man. I can't wait to go see some HL games that, down there and, you know, the fact that the country is shuttling their players like halfway like across, well, no, all the way across the, the continent for seven years is unbelievable. So it's going to make a lot more sense. Uh, fans are going to love it. Uh, fans are going to go buy tickets. I guarantee that. Um, and in terms of the name, I, I wrote about this for Daily Hive last week. I know Rob pitched this to me about you know, the best names for the team. And uh, I, I agree with a lot of suggestions out there. I, I like aviators over pilots, you know, for the alliteration. I just think mm-hmm. it's a, a catchier name. Uh, I like arrows. I like astros. Um, if I, there's one name I'll throw out there that, uh, hasn't been mentioned at all, uh, maybe give me your thoughts is the barnstormers. So the barnstormers has another aviation reference to it. it, it it's a name for stunt pilots. So all these like stunt oh, okay. pilots in the early 20th century before, uh, you know, flying was all regulated. So they do all these crazy flips and tricks in the air. 
So I thought it was a bit of a cool name and there, there could be some good entertainment opportunities with that. So that's my one out there name, but yeah, I'll be fine with aviators, Canucks. Yeah. I'm not, I, I feel like that. barnstorm is a bit of a, bit of a mouthful to say though. Ah, uh, sounds powerful though. I like, I think I, I, I like something like uh, aviators arrows, the alliteration. Yeah. I think I, I would go for one of those, but I guess, I guess they're definitely not being called the Connets though. No, uh, no I, th- I think that's staying in Utica, yeah. right? Yeah, so they've already uh, the Canucks have already announced that there's going to be a new team name. I don't think it's staying in Utica. I think they will become the Utica Devils. Um, but the Canucks have announced that it's not going to be Comets. So if you want to say oh, okay. the space theme, you could go Astros. I mean, Abbotsford Astros. Abbotsford Astros. That, yeah, that, that'd, that'd be pretty cool. It doesn't have anything to do with Abbotsford, I don't think, but yeah. it would keep the, keep the tradition alive. Um, uh-huh. One other thing I think that I like about the Abbotsford uh, HL affiliate news is it gives me a bit of hope that Francesco Aquilini and the ownership group aren't going to cheap out for the, for, you know, starting in the, in the future, because I think if you want to cheap out for an AHL franchise, you put your AHL franchise in that cluster in the Pacific division, the AHL where like, you know, Palm Springs and Henderson and, you know, just put it in there because you put your team in Abbotsford. Yes. It's close to us, but it also means travel costs are going to go way up for that AHL team. Cause presumably they're going to be in Pacific division. Yeah. You got to be able to, you got to be able to fly like in and out of the States, got to be able to fly down and, back and forth. So it's going to increase a lot of travel costs. And I just think, you know, it's a home run in terms of, you know, fans here, but maybe it gives me a bit of hope that the ownership group is willing to spend a bit of money. Because again, if you want to cheap out an AHL franchise, you're the Vancouver Canucks, you put it somewhere in California and that way you could easily bust all these other Pacific division teams. Yeah. Right. I just have a feeling that, you know, the Aquilini families were $3 billion, you know, and I think there have been moments where you think they're being cheap fucks and certainly with underpaying blueberry farmers. I mean, they have a reputation of being cheap in some areas, but at the same time, they seem to have been overly spend happy with the Canucks for the most part. And, you know, as much as I think the Aquilinians have made a lot of mistakes and are way too meddling, you know, they were, they were part of the Gillis regime. They were the ones funding all this sleep research and, you know, crazy fancy dressing rooms and catering to the players. Like they were funding all that. So I don't, I don't think being cheap is the Aquilini's problem, to be honest. And that's why it's a, I'm, I'm more of a wait and see with Travis Green. I, I do think they'll buck up and pay him eventually. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, it's good to see the Aquilini's not being cheap. And, again, it's, it costs more money to have the team in Abbotsford than it does in Utica. Um, but, uh, again, you know, being cheap is not the issue, except unless, unless you're a blueberry farmer, that is. <laughs> well, you know what, if, if you're the, if you're the ownership group for the Vancouver Canucks, you can also, you know, there's a lot of like business kind of packages you, you can build around AHL team close to home, right? Like I can see a scenario where you market, you know, Hey, come check out this matinee game between Abbotsford and what have you. And then seven o'clock at night, go catch the Vancouver Canucks, right? Like you can package tickets like that. So yeah. I think from a, from a, like a marketing business standpoint, it, it's a home run, but just one more question begs. I know you're a busy guy. I just want to talk about Jack Rathbone, J-Bone, J-Bone. Oh, yeah. He's, he looked, we talked about it earlier in the show. He looked really good tonight. I thought him on kind of like that, on the power play one, which I was surprised by. I thought he was getting, you know, you know, Travis Green earlier today said he was going to get more opportunity. I thought that meant running the point on power play two on the second unit. Nope. They put him right into uh baptism by fire, right into power play one. And he almost had a he almost had a goal earlier in the game. Like he looked he looked really yeah. good on, on the power play. Uh, what do you see this guy's ceiling, and what what do you see his future with the Canucks? Because if this guy hits his potential and can be that second pairing, you know, left side defenseman, 
that's huge. That's a huge development. Now you just got to be able to find maybe a couple of decent right shot defensemen for the top four. And, uh, and you're looking good. Yeah, honestly, I, I see Hughes and Rathbone as the one, two on this team for potentially the next 10 years, to be honest with you. And I think Rathbone, again, he just, he just has it, man. He has the smarts. He has the wheels. He has the vision to play in the NHL. He is tailor-made for today's game. And I watch more of the defensive side of the puck. Uh, there's a couple of times tonight where I think he was caught out of position, you know, I think the Winnipeg Jets came on a, a three and two at one point and he took the four, he took the winger and had to scramble back and get the centerman. Uh, he ended up getting back into position in time because the Jets got bobbled the puck. Um, but there's another play in front of the net too, where he, he managed to knock the puck off the guy's stick. who was about five feet in front of Demko. So uh, I think he's, again, it's, he's so early into his NHL career, but he already had, he's showing right now that he has what it takes to play in the NHL and you see green rewarding him. And I think, you know, when you see green scratch guys like Lynn, you go, oh, yeah, he's not playing the young guys. He's playing stupid fucking, you know, Matthew Highmore, Jimmy VC, whatever. But I do think green does a pretty good job of rewarding guys when they when they earn it. Like when he sees talented young guys like Patterson, Hughes, Hogland, or Rathbone, like he's given them minutes. Um, and he's maybe a little harsh on guys like Lyndon and Levy who haven't quite earned it. But again, those guys are tweeners right now. Um, but yeah, Rathbone, like you said, at this point, he's fucking earned it. I, I see him as a number two left shot defenseman for a long time to come. Uh, I hope he can continue to be reliable defensively. I know there's going to be gaps in his game, but uh, the, the sky's the limit for this kid. I mean, he could have, I, I could see him having top two first pairing defense, uh, first pairing potential, I should say. Uh, obviously, he won't get the huge on this team, but uh, I really like what I've seen from Rathbone, both in the AHL and the NHL so far. Well, you know, credit to Travis Green. He could have handed in his two weeks notice and been like, fuck it, I'm uh, I'm, I'm good here. I'm not going to really play the kids or, you know, any any of that sort of stuff. But he, he, like you said, like there's a history of Travis Green, you know, recognizing talent and, you know, throwing them into situations and developing that way. I always go back to Elias Pettersson at the 2018 training camp. If you remember like the conversations at the time, it was a lot of, Oh, you know, he, he can't play center right away. He's got to play on the wing beside Brandon Sutter and Brandon Sutter has got to teach him the defensive game in North America, which, you know, if you look back now, it's oh, an absolutely man. ridiculous take. Like Leas Patterson should be teaching yeah. Brandon Sutter how to play in North America. But, uh, but you know, that, that was a conversation and Travis Green said, nah, fuck it. Like this guy's a center. I'm going to play him as a center. And the rest, as they say, is history. Right. So credit to Travis Green for, you know, throwing a guy like Jack, Jack Rathbone into situations where, he has to kind of sink or swim and learn quickly. And that's how, to me, that's how, that's the quickest way and maybe the best way to develop a prospect if they have skill is throw them into these situations and see if they can, see if they can produce. And if not, adjust accordingly. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious how many games you plays it on the stretch. I know the Canucks have that brutal schedule that we talked about, a lot of back-to-backs. I uh, heard some talk today about how, you know, they wanted to take you a levy out and show him some tape and then get you a levy back in. I mean, personally, at this point in the season when the Canucks are mathematically eliminated, I would I would like to see them run with Hughes, Rathbone, and you levy down the down the left side. Because what the fuck else do you have to lose? I don't think Rathbone should be pulled out at this point. I know you might, might want to talk about resting him, showing him some tape, whatever. Uh, but if he's good to play, I would just play Rathbone. You're not taking yeah. Hughes why not? Out. Just keep keep yeah. him keep keep giving him nice time, man. Yeah, I think you will levy too. I, he's had his ups and downs. I haven't hated his game. I did rip him in one recap about a week ago and he wasn't very good. 
Um, but uh, that's what you got when you put bags on recap duty, apparently. I ripped the oh, no, yeah, no prisoners, no prisoners. <laughs> um, but I, I think the Canucks got to see if you Levy can take on some of Edler's role because uh, that's another thing we haven't touched on is can the Canucks realistically bring Edler back? Like, uh, again, this is a guy who probably doesn't want to be anywhere else other than Vancouver, but is he willing to make like a million bucks a year? Probably not. He's probably still thinks he's a two to million, three million dollar player. And I just don't see him at that salary fitting in with his team. I'm not saying Ulevi is the answer, but I think you got to fucking see if he can put it together because Ulevi is probably signing like an 800K, 900K deal right now. So if he can at least be half of what Edler is, I think you got you to you keep him. So anyways, I'd like to see that those three all get their shot. Uh, but yeah, Rathbone for sure is fucking earned it. He's been, he's been fantastic. Well, you know what? Since the Canucks have officially been eliminated from playoff contention tonight, there's going to be plenty of time from now until, you know, free agency and beyond to discuss where Alex Edler fits and what have you. It's going to be, it's going to be an interesting, I'm, I'm starting the, I'm starting the off season talk right now. I know there's six games left, but. Uh, yeah. I already talked about trading for line. So, I mean, I've already started. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, we, we, I think a lot of people have checked out of this season. It's off. We're starting the off season talk here on the network. 100%. Uh, Begsy, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I don't know why it took me, you know, close to a year and a half for you to ask you to join the podcast since I started, but glad to have you on, man. You know why it is? Cause Bonnie, you know, I'll always be there for you. You don't got to chase me, man. I'll oh, be man. here. I'll be here. We appreciate everything you've done for this network. And, uh, you know, your listeners, they should be, they should be fucking loving you, man. I mean, uh, you've been, you've been an absolute rock star. One of the best voices in the city you had so many great guests on a lot of great conversations and, uh, appreciate everything you do for us, man. So keep it up. Thanks. You're going to make me cry, man. You're going to make me cry. My the mics, man. The listeners don't uh, need to hear that. A big shout out to Trevor Beggs for hopping on the podcast. Much, much appreciated. And by the time you're listening to this, the Vancouver Canucks will have played, they have six more games to go. Four against the Calgary Flames, one more against the Jets, and one more against the Edmonton Oilers. I think people are underestimating how creepy and odd, and weird. This schedule is going to be for the Vancouver Canucks. The Vancouver Canucks are going to be playing games against the Calgary Flames while the playoffs are happening in the United States. The playoffs are starting probably next Saturday, Saturday, May 15th. So, Vegas versus Minnesota Wild, Florida versus Tampa Bay, Canucks Oilers in a game that means absolutely nothing. This upcoming stretch is going to be so weird, so bizarre. You're going to have an after that, that May 15th game, three games against the Calgary Flames. That, in my opinion, in my educated opinion, are going to make exhibition games look like Game 7 in the Stanley Cup Finals. You're going to see maybe 20% effort from the players. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if Arthur Silov's gets a start in one of these games. Who cares? And I know Montreal's doing the best they can to choke away a playoff spot. But this, the math is still very much in their favor. So there's a very good chance by the time they play those last three games against the Flames, that last spot is gone to the Montreal Canadiens, and those three games are going to mean absolutely nothing. And they're going to be going on while 
the NHL playoffs are going on. I know I'm supposed to get people to listen to this podcast. I know I'm supposed to get people to listen to this network. But I wouldn't blame you if you don't watch those last three games against the Calgary Flames. They're not going to mean anything, and they're going to be weird as hell. My God. It's, I think people are people don't understand how strange it's going to be to have Stanley Cup playoff action. The first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Maybe the best time for sports viewing in the calendar year. It's going to be going on around the same time as in that NBA, NHL playoff first round stretch. Best time to be a sports fan. Best time to be a sports fan who likes to gamble as well. Let's be real. Let's be honest. But we've got a really, really, really weird stretch coming up for the Vancouver Canucks. It's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. You, this may be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. That I hope people I hope people recognize the uniqueness of what we're about to watch, how creepy and weird it's gonna be. Anyways, that is today's episode of Power of the Towel, part of the Next Misconduct Network of Podcasts. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Make sure to subscribe to the network wherever you get podcasts. One swipe, one tap, as we like to say, you get all the shows on the network. And please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It would mean very much to all of us. One day I will get around to reading all the reviews on this podcast. Once again, this is Power of the Towel, part the next Misconduct Network, a podcast. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Thank you for listening.